I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. So happy Thursday, everyone. We're back to our regularly scheduled program, releasing episodes every Thursday, again, as opposed to every Friday, which has been the norm for the past month or so. I don't even know how long I've been doing this, but like definitely the past month and a half or so. So I should probably say we're back to our regularly scheduled schedule, if that's a good phrase to use. With that being said, today's personal anecdote actually gave me the entire idea for the topic I'm going to be talking about today, which if you haven't read the title would know pertains to environmental awareness. So earlier this week, I was reminiscing about a TV show that used to be one of my favorites. It's called Adam Ruins Everything. It's informational, kind of like my podcast, and it used to be hosted on True TV, but I'm pretty sure it branched out to another network. I could be wrong. But anyways, it's a program hosted by Adam Conover, and it just explains a ton of societal issues and random topics in a comedic and very informative way. One topic in particular that he covered on the show was the topic of going green, making efforts to be more environmentally friendly, whether that's investing in an electrical vehicle, using products made from recycled plastic, among various other practices. But as the entire basis of the show relates to Adam finding flaws and inconsistencies within certain topic areas, it proved to be a very intriguing episode. And I found it especially interesting because I thought there was no way a flaw could be discovered within the environmental justice sector, but there were many of them. And that's what gave me the entire idea for this episode. I love going in depth about stuff, so this is obviously a great method for me to do that. Before I give some brief context on this issue, though, it's important to realize how extensive the impacts of poor environmental regulation can be. According to a 2020 study conducted by the Greenpeace, Southeast Asia, and the Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air, that was a very long name, In the United States alone, air pollution from burning fossil fuels is linked to an estimated 230,000 deaths and $600 billion in economic losses annually. The fact that the impacts of activities such as fossil fuel burning and plastic consumption, just to name a couple, don't solely impact land itself, but also the human inhabitants of Earth altogether and the economy, just to name a couple, just shows how extensive this whole issue is. So as time continues to progress, more people are beginning to grow aware of these effects housed on the planet as a whole, with them becoming a lot more adverse every single year. These people actually include business owners involved in fossil fuel corporations, the fast fashion industry, among other sectors that play a huge role in the emergence of new environmental issues. But of course, given that air pollution is linked to billions of dollars lost on an annual basis, these manufacturers are coming up with new solutions to combat things like pollution and climate change in general. Whether through the invention of new electric, battery-powered cars, products made from recycled plastic, or new policies enacted within fashion companies, efforts are definitely being made in an attempt to reverse the extensive implications of pollution. And while in a perfect world, these solutions would be highly efficient, eventually ending environmental degradation altogether, this is not a perfect world, as human-caused climate change still persists. Meaning, as that episode of Adam Ruins Everything proved to me, there are many misconceptions about the potential for these solutions to actually contribute to a more sustainable future. So continue listening to this episode to hear me delve into the myth of going green, what it is, how companies have managed to build increased profit from that label alone, and perhaps the most important aspect of it all, whether or not our green efforts will actually play a role in ending pollution and climate change as a whole. For starters, it's necessary to define what it means to go green. Going green is a phrase that's used to identify actions that are environmentally friendly and sustainable. So in other words, to go green means to implement practices in your own life that would save more energy, produce less waste, less toxic emissions, and overall contribute to a cleaner and healthier environment. Now, going green is typically used to describe a lifestyle change. 
While green actions on their own might include turning off your faucet immediately after using it instead of letting the water run for a little bit, going green would likely translate to someone who doesn't buy from fast fashion companies often, travels by walking or biking frequently as opposed to driving everywhere, someone who practices composting regularly, etc. It can be thought of as a combination of green efforts rather than just one or two. And while going green for consumers might mean investing in more sustainable items, for companies and manufacturers, going green directly translates to producing more products in a way that would emit less toxic emissions, relying less on factory usage and more on methods that would be considered more environmentally sound. So let's delve into some examples of these efforts that have been made by larger corporations to combat the growing issue of climate change and pollution. A top example of a green product is the electric car. These battery-powered vehicles don't require gasoline to be operated, which can contribute to a decline in fossil fuel emissions. These cars are starting to become more popular within this modern day and age, as an increased number of car buyers are becoming aware of the adverse effects that the standard gasoline-fueled vehicles house. An especially well-known, renowned brand of the electric car is the Tesla, a company whose mission statement is centered around, and I quote, Accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy with electric cars, solar, and integrated renewable energy solutions for homes and businesses. Another increasingly popular example of a green product relates to the use of recycled plastics. Now, this is one that can be observed across a wide range of companies and brands, given that recycled plastic can be used in tons of different products in different ways. Some of these include activewear and the clothing industry as a whole, shoes, wallets, toothbrushes, among many others. For example, Rothy Shoes. They primarily sell flats, and they have repurposed over 76 million water bottles as of today. Their marketing is centered around the fact that all of their shoes are made from repurposed plastic, such as plastic water bottles, for example. So now that I've established a couple examples of efforts made by larger companies to go green and contribute to a more environmentally sound future, there are more negative implications can be discussed. While the phrase going green typically suggests a complete 180 from harmful practices that play a large role in ruining the environment, green efforts made by companies aren't exempt from housing negative effects on the environment. To start with a commonly recognized method of going green, buying electrical cars doesn't completely resolve the issue of extensive fossil fuel usage. There are still negative effects posed by the creation of electric cars, and the first pertains to how these vehicles are made. While fossil fuels aren't emitted from these cars, they're still utilized to create them. Because electric cars are electric, they're powered by batteries, which heavily rely on emissions to be created. And even disregarding this detail, electric vehicles are often charged via coal-heavy power grids, an obvious source of fossil fuels which can be observed throughout much of the Midwest United States. And this negative implication of electric vehicles has even been noted by professionals within the field. According to Jeremy McCallick, a professor of engineering at Carnegie Mellon University, if you've got electric cars in Pittsburgh that are being plugged in at night and leading nearby coal plants to burn more coal to charge them, then the climate benefits won't be as great, and you can even get more air pollution. Another issue posed by electric vehicles also pertains to their batteries, and more specifically, what they're typically composed of. Most batteries found in these cars contains a raw material called cobalt, and although it isn't a notorious fossil fuel, it still has proved to be controversial as environmental concerns surrounding it have been raised. While cobalt plays a significant role in developing renewable energies like solar and wind power, the process in which it is developed is especially harmful. And this is because mining cobalt often results in the emission of sulfur oxide and other air pollutants, which studies have proven manifest themselves into surrounding neighborhoods and communities, affecting people, especially children. 
Additionally, when you consider the fact that the overwhelming majority of cobalt is sourced in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, where workers are subject to using few protective tools to mine these materials, the use of cobalt becomes a human rights issue as well, much like sweatshop labor. And yet another commonly recognized method of going green is the use of recycled plastic. Luckily, the issues posed by this so-called green product don't propose as adverse effects as cobalt mining, but rather have to deal with its cost and overall ineffective nature. What many fail to consider about plastic is that only a fraction of it actually gets recycled. But even for those plastic products that do make it past the recycling stage, a new issue is posed. Plastic is very expensive to melt and repurpose, and after that entire process is finished, they become significantly weaker, as plastic degrades over time, in turn making it hard to use in large amounts of time and leading to their eventual placement in landfills, unable to be reused again. And this is when I realized that the reason why a lot of these environmental issues continue to persist is because of misconceptions. While a lot of people think that recycling is something that's used very frequently within the plastic industry, it's not, given that only a very small, small fraction of the plastic that's sent to be recycled is actually recycled. And because of that, a lot of people think that they're doing more good than they really are, when in reality, the fact that people continue to consume and consume plastic and covering it with the umbrella of the shield that it'll eventually get recycled is just contributing to even more environmental degradation. But to return to my previous point, plastic does not last for a very long time. In terms of quality, obviously it's not able to decompose for a very, very, very long time. But in terms of quality, it's something that's used in the short term. We can't really reuse it as much as we would like to. Meaning that the cost of recycling plastics is converse to that of just making new fresh plastic, a process whose cheapness has led to it being relied on a lot more than repurposing, ultimately contributing to environmental issues like air pollution yet again because it's so cheap, which leads a lot of companies and businesses, large ones at that, to gain a lot more profit than they would if they repurposed plastic and invested in the process that it takes to repurpose it. While I've only discussed them up to this point, electric cars and recycled plastic products aren't the only things that can contribute to pollution while being disguised as green products. The fashion industry is actually one which plays a significant role in the misconceptions surrounding going green, so much so that an entire label has been created that I would like to allocate to the fast fashion industry, one which is known as greenwashing. Now, this is a topic that I've actually covered before on the show towards the end of season one in an interview with Estelle, the founder of Ethica Clothing, which you should definitely go check out on Instagram at EthicaNYC. It's a sustainable brand which is centered around thrifting and repurposing items that would typically go to the landfill. To give some background on it, though, greenwashing is a process of conveying a false impression or providing misleading information about how a company's products are more environmentally sound. And while this term isn't exclusive to the fast fashion industry, I decided to talk about its role in the fashion sector because it's where a lot of people see it the most. A really good example of this is H&M's Conscious Collection. It's a clothing line within H&M that promises sustainability and allows the public to believe that their products are created using solely ethical practices. Similarly, their clothing recycling bins make it seem as if all of the materials that are given to them, are repurposed to create new, sustainable clothing. But according to environmentalist Elizabeth Klein, only 35% of the clothing collected is used at all. Most of these clothes end up making their way to the landfill eventually, and it's another example of why I believe that misconception is one of the biggest reasons as to why these environmental issues still persist. A lot of people do these things as in engaging and participating in these clothing lines and these sustainable, quote-unquote, sustainable clothing lines because they feel like they're doing good. And people want to do good. Who doesn't like to do good things for the environment? 
But a lot of these good things are actually harmful, doing more harm than they do good, with their positive impact being minuscule. 35% of clothing donated is not a lot, especially when you consider the volume, the immense amount of clothing that is donated to H&M every single year through their recycling bins, through the Conscious Collective program. You realize that the effects of the donation programs are really ineffective, which means that so many clothes just get donated to nothing and end up in the landfill, which is where a lot of people want them to avoid ending up. And it sucks, especially because you realize that a lot of the people that engage in these types of things are engaging in them blindly, thinking that they're actually doing something good for the environment and for human rights, and really when their effects are just the complete opposite. And a lot of people typically don't research these lines before they engage in them. It's something I'm guilty of doing, like I'm a human, we all make mistakes. But when you realize that a lot of these labels, such as biodegradable, animal-friendly, eco-friendly, are just the tactics that just deceive people, a lot of people are actually engaging in them because a lot of us aren't doing research to find where these items are actually going. So a piece of the solution to this problem lies in that fact alone, like that statement alone. Before you engage in a line that claims to be completely sustainable and ethical, you want to do your research on it because I know that's a really vague term to use, like do your research, but it's important to actually look up online. The internet is free. There's a ton of resources. It's really important to just look online and find information, um, insight into the actual practices of these companies, including where they get their products from, their if they have sweatshops, how the working conditions are in these places, so that you can make a more informed decision as to whether or not you actually want to support them. So overall, this promise of sustainability and environmentally friendly practices is just a giant misconception, which successfully leads a lot of consumers, customers, to think that green products are actually efficient, actually green, when in reality, their positive effects are almost non-existent relative to their negative ones. But on the topic of sustainability, I think the reason why a lot of people don't think that they can live a sustainable lifestyle and don't even make an effort to live a sustainable lifestyle is because a lot of people assimilate sustainability to cost and more expensive items when that is not the case at all. So to add another personal anecdote, I was scrolling on TikTok the other day because when am I not? And I came across a video of this girl doing a sheen haul with a, a ton of items, at least like $300 worth. And if you know, if you know that sheen's pricing is really, really cheap, that's a lot of items. Anyways, she justified her overconsumption by saying that she also buys from Zara and Urban Outfitters, a comment which was met with a lot of positive reactions in the comment section. People were praising her for also balancing out her spending habits and buying from places like Zara instead of solely Sheen. And that directly alludes to the fact that a lot of people think that more expensive brands are completely sustainable compared to cheaper ones like Sheen just because they're more costly, when that is not the case at all like I previously said. In reality, all of these companies are still part of the fast fashion sector, regardless of whether their shirts cost $3 or $50, because more expensive fashion companies are not exempt from participating in harmful practices. The term fast fashion isn't exclusive to cheap brands. When you realize that labor violations have been made by garment manufacturers that supply to Urban Outfitters, Zara has made significant efforts to minimize material waste in years, and all of their factories, including Zara, Urban Outfitters, and Sheen, have unethical conditions, they are all part of the same problem. They're all part of the fast fashion sector. So in this sense, Shane actually isn't that bad compared to these other brands because at least they're not lying about the fact that they're quote-unquote sustainable. They're upfront with it. They're blatant. They don't ever say that they're sustainable, that their working conditions are good. They just don't address it. So oddly enough, Shane might be one of the better fast fashion companies compared to brands like Urban and Zara because they're not lying. At least they're upfront and blatant about their unethical practices. 
Brands like Urban Outfitters, on the other hand, are very sneaky about these labor violations or unethical conditions and practices that they made in the past and that they continue to make because they're fooling people. They swindle people into believing. I hope I use that term right, swindle. But they're tricking people into believing that by buying from them, you're making an effort to contribute to sustainability when it's just as bad as shopping from Sheen. And this assimilation of a high cost, a high price to more sustainable is very wrong. And it's a very awful ideal that has continued to infiltrate mainstream media. And that's something I can see in TikTok alone. Like that TikTok alluded to a much bigger issue. And the, again, assimilation of high cost and high prices to something being more sustainable is the reason why a lot of people think that living a sustainable lifestyle is exclusive to rich, wealthy people. It can be seen in Tesla. It's expensive, but it still poses negative effects on the environment, similar to its fossil fuel burning counterparts. Same thing with Sheen versus Zara. Sheen and Zara are both unethical. They're both elements of the fast fast fashion sector, but one is more expensive than the other. So many people believe that, oh, Zara is better. Urban Outfitters is better. That's why when they buy from there, they feel like they've made a positive impact on the environment when they made one that is just as bad from supporting brands like Sheen. And this assimilation of fast fashion to cheap brands only and expensive brands to automatically sustainable alludes to a giant issue, a bigger one than even these conditions, these unethical conditions themselves. The misconceptions surrounding what the real cause of environmental issues in the fashion industry is. The issue isn't that people are buying from Sheen. The issue isn't that people are buying from Urban Outfitters because the real reality is that no brand is 100% green unless you know you're thrifting. And even in that sector, Goodwill ends up throwing out a lot of their products if they're not bought in a certain time frame. So the real issue here isn't the fact that people are buying from particular brands themselves. The issue is overconsumption. And that's something that can be done at any brand regardless of its price. And this is where the real solution emerges. No, the solution is not buying from Zara's line or from H&M's conscious collection. The real solution is reduction. That's the best alternative to quote unquote going green. And a better name for doing so would just be living a more sustainable lifestyle. Because the harsh reality is that no brand is 100% ethical. There will always be some kind of practice that doesn't let them become completely sustainable or completely green. And a lot of people are deceived into believing that buying from a conscious collection line, for example, at H&M, is the number one way to go green. That doing so makes you a green, like you're a green person, you're going green. When in reality, the best way to quote unquote go green is to reduce your usage of everything, whether it's the burning of fossil fuels, so driving less and walking more, biking more, or reducing the amount of material that's used in the fast fashion industry by buying less clothing. Reduction is a main solution to combat pollution and all of these environmental issues. And I feel like another aspect of the whole environmentally like friendly going green conversation that a lot of people like neglect is responsibility, being responsible with the purchases that you make. Because reduction also connects, it's, there's a link between reduction and knowing what and when to buy. For example, buying into trends is what really gets a lot of people. That's something I'm seeing on TikTok all the time. It's really important to note that the items that Sheen sells are based solely on trends. Same thing with Zara. And something that I was thinking about the other day that made me laugh, I don't know if this is going to be funny, but on TikTok, something that was really popular, like a clothing item that was really popular um, around like, I would say the end of last year, beginning of this year, were patchwork jeans. Those are going to be in the landfill in like 50 years. They're going to be sitting in the landfill along with the zebra print print pants and like 
the cow the cow print jeans like those are all going to be having a party together in the landfill in 25 years because no one's going to be wearing that in 25 years from now and that's even a stretch no one's going to be wearing them in two years trends come and go that's exactly what makes them trends and that's exactly what brands like zara and sheen and h&m fixate their clothes around meaning these trends come and go the same way that the products that these big companies make come and go meaning they will all end up in the landfill whether you brought them for 30 dollars or $60, they're going to end up in the same place if no one takes the right steps to be responsible in their purchases, which includes not buying into trends that come and go every single month. With that being said, a lot of us as consumers and just as Earth's inhabitants in general are being deceived to think that our quote-unquote green efforts are actually doing something for the environment, when in reality, a lot of them are more ineffective, doing a lot more harm to the environment than they're doing good. So a good rule of thumb, focus on reduction. When in doubt, don't spend at unnecessary clothing companies and brands, but reduce your usage, whether it's of fossil fuels so that you emit less fossil fuels into the atmosphere, or just buying less things at places like Zara, Sheen, H&M, and all of these brands altogether. Doing so will make a much more significant impact on the environment than trying to spend money on things that will not. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and make sure to tune in next week on Thursday for a new episode of A Little Perspective. <laughs>